Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Well, we're continuing our summer series here in the book of Romans. We're going to go through chapters 6 to 8 today. And I'm going to have Romans chapter 1, verse 16 up on the screen here. Because Romans 1, 16 and 17, this, I believe, encapsulates the heart of the book. And what we see in this, this verse is Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to those who believe, both Jew and Gentile, and it reveals the righteousness of God from faith to faith. So the good news, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation, and it reveals the righteousness of God. So today, instead of going a chapter-by-chapter theme, I'm just going to give us a theme of the entire section of chapter 6, 7, 8. This is one of my favorite sections of the Bible, Um, so I had to be really, really pick and choose what we were going to cover today and really ask the Lord about this. But the heart of the message today is is describing how this free gift of righteousness that we receive through faith in Christ, how it gives us new life. And so here's my main point for today. With our new life in Christ that we receive through this free gift of righteousness, with our new life in Christ, we receive three things. We receive a new nature. We receive new freedom. And we receive new power to reign in life. Let's begin. So, just a little review Chapter 5 that we went through last week, it ended describing how Adam's transgression led to sin, death, and condemnation. Adam sinned, sin, and death spread to all of humanity. And the law of Moses comes in hundreds and hundreds of years later, and it was insufficient to save humanity from this condition of sin and death. In fact, Paul says that when the law of Moses came, sin actually increased. And when sin increased, death and condemnation increased to humankind. But, Romans 5.20, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Through Christ's perfect obedience to God, grace, life, and righteousness came to all who believe in him as a free gift, not earned by the law, not earned by works. And now in Christ Jesus, this grace of God, it reigns in righteousness. Where sin reigned through death, the grace of God reigns through righteousness to eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is good news. Amen. So, um, this whole discussion that Paul's talking about, however, it begs a few questions that these chapters we're covering today are going to address. Uh, First of all, this question addresses, if the law of Moses causes sin to increase, and sin causes grace to increase, should we go on sinning in order that grace can keep increasing? After I've gotten saved, should I continue sinning over and over again so that more and more grace can increase in my life? The next question, 
If the law of Moses does not make us righteous, what was the significance of the law in the first place? Is it bad? Is it evil since it caused grace to increase or caused sin to increase? And finally, if this law could not free us from sin and death, how do we experience freedom from sin, death, and condemnation? How do we get free? And as Paul answers these questions, he goes into a big discussion about the law. But what's really important to note is that in these chapters, Paul talks about three different types of law. And knowing these makes all the difference. The first law that Paul talks about is the law of God, also known as the law of Moses. So when you see those, the law of God or the law of Moses in these chapters, one and the same thing. The second law, a different law, not the same as the first one, is the law of sin and death. And finally, the last law, a still different law than the other two, is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. These three laws, once again, are not, are not the same thing. And knowing the difference is key to reigning in life. So, let's talk about more in each detail. Does that sound good? All right. So, the first law, the law of God, the law of Moses. What is this law? This is the law to which Paul has been referring all throughout Romans 1 through 6 up to this point. It includes the narrative of the first five books of our Old Testament. It includes the some 613, some say 614, depending on how you break it up, the 600 and however many commands that are scattered throughout those first five books of the Bible. It's summed up in the Ten Commandments. Do not covet, do not steal, do not murder, etc. That's the law of God. That's the law of Moses. What is its significance? Well, Paul says in Romans 7.12 that this law is holy, righteous, and good. So even though sin increased when this law came, that does not mean the law is evil. The law of God is holy. It's righteous. And it's good. This law, the law of God, it also reveals what sin is. Romans 7.7. It shows us what coveting is. It shows us what murder is. It tells us that these things are sin. These things are destructive. And these things are deserving of death and condemnation. However, this very law cannot, cannot make us righteous. It cannot put us in right standing with God, no matter how much we keep it. The second law. The law of sin and death. And we see this come in in Romans chapter 7. This law, unlike the law of Moses, is bad. It is unholy, unrighteous, and evil. This law is what rules and dominates our old sinful nature. The book of Romans will refer to it as the flesh. And that, this isn't just your, your skin, your body. It, 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 it definitely refers to that too. But there's something inward, an inward old nature that is ruled and dominated by the law of sin and death. 
And this law came in in the garden. Romans 5 told us that when Adam sinned, he caused this law of sin and death to reign throughout all humanity. It ruled humanity even before the law of God came, the law of Moses. Yet, when the law of Moses came, sin increased. Why did that happen? How did that happen? Paul tells us, this law of sin and death, this second law, that I'm talking about today, this evil, unholy, unrighteous law, it came and it, when it, the, it dominated the old nature, the old fallen nature. And when the law of Moses came, the commandment came, do not covet, do not steal. It, this, this law of sin and death, it aroused that, that, that sinful nature on the inside. And it said, okay, I'm going to take this law, do not covet, and I'm going to stir up in these guys every opportunity and temptation and desire to steal, to covet, to murder, whatever it is. It stirred up that desire and that inclination towards sin once the law of God, the law of Moses came. Does that make sense? So the law of sin and death was already at work from Genesis chapter 3. When the law of God comes in, in the book of Exodus, the command comes in, but that inward law inside of fallen human nature says, okay, I'm going to lure them even more into this temptation. Um, it, uh, it's bad. This is a bad law. And Paul is talking about, when he's talking about this law of sin and death, he says, this is showing how wicked sin is. That it takes the holy, good, and righteous commandment of God and makes it work together for your evil. And not only that, so the, so the enemy, that's how he operates. He, he, he lures us into the sin. He tempts us with it, with this law of sin and death. But then he heaps on us death and condemnation. You know, he makes it look real enticing at first. And then we commit it, and he starts accusing us and condemning us and say, look, you've broken God's law. You've broken God's rules. He, he himself, your creator, the one you say you love, says you deserve death and condemnation. And those thoughts just start circling through your mind. And it's just, it's, just, it's just not fun. Anyone ever experience those condemning thoughts? <laughs> okay. That's the accuser. <laughs> That's the bad guy. Um, but he's taking God's very law to use it to condemn you and to accuse you, which is just makes it so horrible. Um, and the internal struggle in each one of us, it starts occurring when our mind and our heart starts to agree with the law of God. Like the light turns on. We're like, whoa, I don't want to be bound by coveting anymore. I don't want to be bound up by, by lust by gossip and slander or pride. I don't, I, like, I, we start to see how destructive they are. We see the law of God, and we're like, yes, I'm agreeing with that in my heart and mind, but in that old sinful nature that's still dominated by the law of sin and death, we find ourselves still breaking that command over and over again. And it's just even though our hearts and our minds agree with the good and holy law of God, our flesh, our old nature, is still dominated by this law of sin and death. 
And Paul, I mean, he's like going throughout Romans chapter 7. Like, this is a, this is a struggle. There's a war that comes, and we become a prisoner to that law of sin and death. Um, so how do we get free? How do we break out of it? Um, if the law of God cannot free us from that condition, how do we escape this enslavement to sin, death, and condemnation? Paul asks in Romans 7.24. But he answers it in the next verse which you have here on the screen. Romans 7, 25, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through Jesus Christ, we've been joined to yet another law, a third law called the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ. And it's under this law that we attain a new nature, that we enter into a new freedom, and we have access to a new power to reign in life. So let's talk more about this third law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 8, we're going to spend most of our time throughout the rest of the message in Romans 8, in Romans 6. And I'm going to take just a moment to pray because the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to help us. So, Lord, right now we thank you for the free gift of the Holy Spirit that we receive through your Son. We thank you for the righteousness of God that's revealed in this gospel. And we thank you, Lord, for the power of salvation. I ask God that as we continue to open this section of the book of Romans, that you would empower us to walk out this salvation, this new life and freedom we have in Christ. Would you reveal this righteousness of God that has been granted to us freely through your Son? In his name we pray. Amen. Okay. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This law, this third law, does what the law of Moses could not do. It frees us from that law of sin and death that bound our old nature. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there it is, see it's biblical, has set you free from the law of sin and death. So, um, there it is, right there. We have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has done what the law of Moses couldn't do. It set us free from this law of sin and death. See, I'm kind of using a lot of hand motions. This one, law of sin and death, it's bad. Law of God came from heaven, holy, righteous, and good, and then the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I'm just, you know, if you're trying to track with my body movements right there, that's, uh, that's where the laws are in my brain right now. <laughs> so um, the law of God, the law of Moses, it came in, it revealed sin, it showed us what sin was, but it also pronounced judgment and condemnation for those who commit sin. So under the law of God, there is condemnation. But under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, got to get my motions right, um, 
This guy over here, it comes in and it, it, it frees us from condemnation. It frees us from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, verse 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So Jesus, the son of God, he comes down in human flesh, in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now that word likeness is very important here because Jesus knew no sin. He was tempted in every single way, it says in the scripture. He was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. But he was still fully human being. 100% God, 100% human being. Not 50-50. 100, 100. Little theology lesson for you. And it's extremely important. <laughs> because God... Sending his son to take on human flesh, became a human being, and he fulfilled the requirement of the law by having sin condemned in his own flesh. So Jesus, fully God, yet also fully human being, he perfectly obeyed the law of God. So not only did he fulfill it in that way, but he also fulfilled the law of God in that he received the righteous condemnation for sin that you and I deserve. And so the law, has, the law of God has been fulfilled in two ways in Christ Jesus. It's been perfectly kept and obeyed, and the condemnation it deals out to humanity has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ at the cross. That is why we can boldly say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So, this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it gives us, again, three things. A new nature, new freedom, and new power to reign in life. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 through 7. We're going to look at this new nature and this new freedom that we have through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with Christ, with Jesus, through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Amen? So, What's happening here? It's talking about our new nature that we receive in Christ. Our, our in, in, in what's really important to note here is that it's talking about water baptism. Um, how many Christians in here have been water baptized? Okay. 
I saw a few hands that did not go up. <laughs> if you have not been water baptized, you are not enjoying the fullness of the freedom in Christ that Jesus has made available to you. If you have been water baptized, here's what happens. In water baptism, we're buried with Jesus. That old self that was dominated by the law of sin and death, it dies in those waters of baptism. Where's that in the Bible? Romans chapter 6. We've been buried with him through baptism into death. And as surely as Christ died on that cross, as surely as he died, he took his last breath, they put him in a tomb, just as certainly as he died a physical death, we die to that old nature in water baptism. And we're raised up with a new nature, with a new life. Let's look at verse 10 and 11 of chapter 6. Verse 10 says this, For the death that he died, that's Jesus, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, once again, as surely as Christ died in the flesh, we've died to sin. And this is really important because we may look at, we may, we see just the fruit of our lives, and we truly love Jesus. We've been water baptized, and we truly hate sin. But there's maybe this, this sin pattern that has still been dominating your life. Um, but Jesus says right here, the Holy Spirit has spoken through Paul and says that you, as surely as Jesus died on that cross, you have died to sin. And you need to start thinking of yourselves in that same way. Because if you think of yourselves as bound to sin and alive to sin and enslaved by sin, A, you're believing a lie. And B, that's how you'll live. You will live in that slave-like mentality. See, when Israel was coming out of slavery in Egypt, God was constantly telling them, remember that once you were slaves in Egypt, but now you're going to worship the living God. I've brought you out of slavery. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has brought us out of the slavery to sin. And anyone who has died with Christ in the waters of baptism has died to sin and is freed from sin. Think of yourselves. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have a new nature. We have a newness of life. This law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus gives us a new freedom and a new power to reign in life. So what exactly does this power from this new nature entail? Three things. First of all, we have the power to stop sinning. We really do. It may not feel like it. You may be believing otherwise. But if you are under this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've been buried with him in baptism and raised up into newness of life, you have the power to stop sinning. And it's not a power that you muster up in your own strength. 
It's not a power that you say, well, Jesus died for me. I guess I better start living my life a little bit better now. I better try harder in life. And hear me, friends, it does take our cooperation. It does take our intentionality. But the power to walk free from sin and to overcome sin, it is a free gift of God in Jesus Christ. It comes from this new nature. Romans 6, 12 through 14, we're not going to read it, but I'm just going to highlight some key things. It says, it says, sin will not be master over you anymore. And you're not under the law of sin and death, and you're not condemned by the law of God. You're not living under that law. You're not living under that condemnation. You're living under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And this law gives you freedom. This law says now I can start presenting myself as a member, my, the members of my body, the members of my mind, my thought life, my emotions, my will, everything um, as members of righteousness, as instruments of righteousness. We can boldly say, I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And we can say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you've empowered me to, to walk free from sin, that this thing does not dominate my life. Titus 2, 11 to 12, says that this, the grace of God, this is now what dominates your life. Righteousness is now what dominates your life. Romans 6 says we've been enslaved to righteousness. And here's what this grace of God, this righteousness of God does, Titus 2. It brings salvation to all people and it teaches us to deny, to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to deny worldly desires. It teaches us to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Titus 2, 11 to 12. Well, I'll be righteous and holy when Jesus comes back. No. You've become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ when you've believed in him, when you've been buried with him in death and raised up in newness of life. And you are clothed with the robe of righteousness. You're clothed with salvation. So right now you stand in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the grace of God, as, it, as, it, as you start gaining revelation on what is this message of grace, this free gift, this undeserved kindness of God in my life, the more we grow in revelation of it, the more it starts teaching you and empowering you to deny ungodliness and to live righteously in this present age. That's what's available to every Christian. Beloved, I really want you to hear me here. Because the enemy is lying to the church in two ways. He's lying to the church by saying that you'll never live righteously in this age. Never, Don't even try. Continue sinning. You're under grace. It's going to be okay. That's robbing you. The free gift of God is life. (laughs) Sin is death. (laughs) The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. Life in your innermost being. Life flowing and gushing out of you. That's your inheritance. And if that's not what you're walking in, it might be that you're considering yourselves, you're thinking of yourselves in the wrong way. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Another way the enemy is lying to the church is that you've got to be righteous on your own ability, your own strength. 
You've got to keep the law of God perfectly now. Here's what Paul's saying. It says, when the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus starts getting a hold of you, you will fulfill the law. The spirit of God will start working through you, will start changing your desires, and will start empowering you to walk out righteousness and godly living in this present age. Paul just boldly says in Romans 12, as he's, after he's discussed all these, that love fulfills the law. And the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5. 5. So, when we get tempted, what do we do? How do we tap into this grace of God? How do we, how do we say no to ungodliness? How do we say no? Do we, do we bring out the law of God and say, don't covet, Matthew. Quit coveting, Matthew. Quit coveting. Do you say, stop stealing, Stop looking at porn. Stop looking at porn. It's not going to work. At least not long term. Now the law of God is still revealing that these things are destructive. And remember that commandment is still holy, righteous, and good. But you need the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to empower you. And so what does that look like? We start considering ourselves, we start thinking about ourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We start thanking God for the grace that he's given us. And this is not just in the moment of temptation. It is. You feel temptation. And, 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 and I, what I encourage you in that moment of temptation, the best thing to do is thank you, Jesus. I am dead to this sin. And name that sin specifically. Like the moment you're about to do it, you're like, guys, girls, lots of men and women in the church addicted to pornography. And it's like if you're getting tempted in that moment to look at the phone, at the computer, whatever it is, out loud, thank you, God, that I am dead to this sin of lust and immorality. And I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You start speaking that aloud in that moment, it will release power on you to say no to that sin. But it's got to go beyond that. It's got to go in your daily thinking. It's got to go in your worship in the car. It's got to go in reminding yourself at home. It's got to get go in people reminding you who you are when you feel weak and tempted and broken. You're dead to sin. You're alive to God. This isn't who you are. You have new life in Christ. You are, you are freed from this sin. But what about when we do sin? What do we do if we do sin in any way? We come boldly, Hebrews 4.16, to the throne of grace. We receive mercy and we obtain grace to help in time of need. So we come boldly to that throne of grace. Even after we sinned, we come right back to Father God. We come in, we cry out for mercy. God, I sinned. Forgive me for engaging in this sin. And, we, and, and, and the blood of Christ is so powerful that that one sacrifice on the cross, the blood is still flowing and it's still washing you in that moment. And you're cleansed of all unrighteousness, 1 John 1.9. We confess our sins, and he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us. Forgive us and cleanse us. Forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we obtain grace. God, help me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm dead to this sin. I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. Help me, Lord, resist this sin. That's what you do. 
and you confess to your brothers and sisters, you find people in life, confess your sins one to another, and, and, and folks, if people are confessing sin to you, they're honestly broken over this, you look at them and you say, that is not who you are. You are dead to this thing, and you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to pray for you right now, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to pour out more grace over you to help you resist this temptation in the future. Amen. So, we have power to stop sinning. Secondly, we have the power to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So under the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we have the power to not only stop sinning, but to be led by the Spirit. To hear the Spirit, to sense the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your innermost being. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. That, that, that old nature was dominated by sin and death. But the new nature we receive in Christ is dominated in even greater degree by the Spirit of God. We have been created in righteousness and holiness in this new nature, Colossians 1. Does this ever sound like so much good news that it's like, this can't be true? But it is. (laughs) It's true. And that's why Paul has to tell him, you have to start considering yourself. You got to start thinking about yourself differently. You've got to think of yourself as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And the Spirit of God, He empowers us and He leads us. And we can turn our mind away from that old sinful nature, away from that slave thinking, ah, this dominates me, this empowers me, this is just how it's going to be for me, this is just what I struggle with, my dad struggled with, my grandpa struggled with, whatever. And we start living in that, we set our mind on that law of sin and death and that old nature says, no, the law of spirit of life empowers you to set your mind on the spirit set your mind on who you are in christ set your mind on the power of god that is available to those who believe and we and by this spirit that leads us we have the adoption of sons we can boldly cry out to god as our abba our father and we can come to him father help me father empower me to walk in this righteousness that you have given me that you have made my inheritance and my new identity. Finally, we have the power to overwhelmingly conquer any temptation, any trial, any suffering, any difficult circumstance in life. And here's why. Romans 8, verse 28, and verse 37. Romans 8, 28 says this, And we know that God causes all things, say all things, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 37. But in all these things, tribulation, distress, famine, sword, nakedness, peril, bad things, trouble, in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. So under the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, this power to conquer any trouble, any difficult circumstance, anything the enemy throws at us in life is made available to us. 
And it, what's just amazing is that it, it, it's the enemy. He tries to throw these things at us. Or, or we may be on the journey to God, and they just they kind of come along the, 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 the journey. We're following God, but these things are just, they, they, find, they find us along the way. Um, but but this, when the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is dominating your life, which it is if you're in Christ, um, then, then it, it, all of that trouble from the enemy, it enters into this sphere of the favor of God. It enters this realm of the, of the goodness of God that surrounds and dominates your life. And, and it's just, it's um, what, what it makes the law of the spirit of life. It takes those flaming darts of the evil one and it turns it around and makes it work for your good. You see, the law of sin and death, it took something meant for our good and turned it, made it work for our evil. It caused sin to increase. But the great reversal comes in Jesus Christ. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus takes something meant for our evil and makes it work together for our good. Praise Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus, that we overwhelmingly conquer through you. We thank you for the power of your spirit to reign in life. Oh. And when we start laying hold of this, this is what causes Paul to start boldly proclaiming. If God is for us, who can be against us? If Christ, our great high priest and intercessor, is making intercession for me day and night, pleading mercy and grace for me day and night, day and night before the throne, who can condemn me? That accuser's accusations don't work anymore because my king who died for me and I died with him to sin and I raised up with him into newness of life, he's making intercession for me right now, the throne of grace. And if Christ's love has conquered sin, death, and condemnation, what can separate us from his love? Can an angel separate you from the love of God? From a tor- can a tormenting spirit, a demon in the night, can he separate you from the love of God? Can any tribulation or distress or sorrow separate you from God's love? Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's stand. Richard Hickman, you mind coming up, sir? Y'all, I know I'm yelling a lot today, but this is so vital for the body of Christ to understand because we need to be living under the right law here because two of those laws actually lead to our death. But if we embrace this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, if we embrace this free gift of righteousness and the grace of God, we have a new nature. We have a new freedom. And we have a new power to reign in life. We have the power to stop sinning. We have the power to be led by the Spirit to call God our Abba, our Father. And we have the power to overwhelmingly conquer in all things through Him who loved us. And nothing can separate us from his love.
So I want to lead us all just through a prayer of thanksgiving for this. Um, because that's really the main way you start tapping into it. How do I live under this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? You put your faith in Jesus Christ. The one who died for your sins and was raised on the third day. To make you righteous. To make you holy. We are buried with him in baptism and we're raised up in the newness of life. If you have not been water baptized, you've got to send me an email today. Matthew at Storehouse Dallas, M-A-T-T-H-E-W at storehousedallas.com. we got to get you baptized because this is an important part of empowering you to walk out this righteousness and to reign in life. But I just want to um, do something here first is that for those folks that you're, you're, you are a Christian, like you love Jesus, you put faith and you've been water baptized, you've, you've encountered the Holy Spirit, you love God, but you found yourself living under the wrong law. You found yourself either living under this law of sin and death, and you believe this lie that I'm just a slave to this. I'm never going to overcome this. This is just part of who I am. Or you've been living under the law of God, the law of Moses, and all you're trying to do is you truly love Jesus, but you're just trying to get everything right and perfect in order. But it's really weighing you down. You find yourself failing. And so you're walking around with all this condemnation, all this guilt, and all this shame. If, if that's you, if either one of those describes you, if you'll just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. If, if those of you will just lift your hands high right now, just both hands as an act of surrender to the Lord.